Hey guys, here we are, the Quick and Out podcast, and I've got a fantastic celebrity this week. Somebody who has just been on every show and every corner of the world. The one, the only BKFC heavyweight, Josh Watson. How you doing, man? Doing good. So, first and foremost, I'm just going to hit you with this. How many shows have you had to do this week? Oh shit! Uh, I think I'm. I think this might be my ninth. And I'm and I mean I'm, I'm even pushing them back because as you can tell my my throat I've been sick for weeks and uh, it kind of kicked back up fight week and my voice is just takes the brunt of all of it so if I could if I if my voice was good I'd just be knocking all these off like one after another but I've had to like stretch them out because you know struggling dude and I appreciate you even more for that. Because you could just be like, just wait. But I mean, really, this last week, if people didn't know who you were, everybody knows who you are. People who have never watched Bare Knuckle are talking about this fight. Like, how crazy! Is right, that? it's crazy. Uh, one of the, I think, one of the funnier ones is because um, I work for a pretty big uh, bar corporation, and um, and I went into the corporate office and. They were like the office manager and one of the other ladies, like, oh, like whatever about my face. Out comes the HR woman and she's like, runs up and she's like, hey, were you on the same fight card as Greg Hardy? And I'm like, yeah, I was. She's like, really? And I go, Renee, I'm the one that knocked him out. She's like, no, you didn't. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, don't just look at the headline, open it up and read an article, maybe. That, so yeah, I'm sure the when she's blown away. That's got to be the best thing, especially for HR to do that. To just be like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <coughs> wait, were you on that? No. Imagine how weird that would be in that moment to just be like, yeah, that was me. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's kind of been like between that and having like just the random like person just walking up and being like, hey, didn't you? And I was like, yeah, and just kind of, it's been pretty cool. And I mean, that's probably the exciting part because I know there's rarely going to be a time where I'm going to ask a question nine other people didn't ask. But like, how has it been like reshifting your your schedule to do all these shows? Because again, you've already had some fights in BKFC, you know, not high profile, and obviously this big one, everybody looked past you, you know. And I'm just going to say this way: you're a 40 year old guy. It's Greg Hardy. Oh, he's going to come in. He's going to control the division. Just like Ben Rothwell did with those illegal shots. I mean, what? Um, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, what's it been like? Just trying to balance all this and dealing with, uh, you know, not terrible, um, <clears throat> not too terrible. Mainly because um, how my work week is um, scheduled. Um, I only had to come in and work on Sunday and Monday, and I've had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off, and I get back to. Uh, yeah, I get back to actually bartending tomorrow. Bartending? Wow. Nobody's going to ask you. <laughs> they don't. All right, bartending. What's your drink of choice? Like, what's your go-to where you're like, this is this is what I drink because I hate having to make all these drinks for you guys? Jack and Ginger. Straight into the bar. Like, I've actually... I've actually gotten a few different people that like have switched over. Like I had this one girl trying to be flirty. She's like, what's your favorite drink to make? And I'm like, Jack and ginger. She's like, why? I go, Cause that's what I fucking drink. 
Like, that's why it's my favorite, because that's that's my drink. And she's like, all right, I'll try it. She's been coming to my bar for two years, and she drinks a Jack and Ginger every single time. <laughs> well, totally switched here, But it's Buffalo Trace and Ginger, so I'm right there with you. So. Hey, a lot of people don't know about ginger ale with their whiskey. It just makes it smoother. It changes everything. It does. Takes away that Coca-Cola gut rot. Yeah. We, um, I was in Louisville, Kentucky last month to visit my dad, and I went to the Angels Envy. We did, like, the whole distillery tour. And literally, like, some of the things they taught us to do to change the taste of it without adding anything else, like, oh, you know, eat this beforehand, then drink this, or do this or do that. This is mind-blowing. So ginger ale for me is yeah. something I've known. but Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's funny because, like, Moving out to Vegas, people just had never heard of it. And I like, I'll just go to a bar and I'll just look them up. Do you have ginger ale? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, do you fucking have ginger ale because you know you can't make it? And they're like, oh, well, I guess not. And I'm like, why the fuck would you even pretend that you can make it? Sprite with a splash of bitters and a splash of Coca Cola has no, it, it's the same color. So you might be able to trick an idiot, but it tastes nothing like fucking ginger ale. No, and the secret is, to be honest, in my opinion, is diet ginger ale. Makes it taste way better. Okay, I'll try that. I'll give that a whirl. My my secret is it's got to be Canada Dry. Oh, yeah, that's what this is. So <laughs> Canada Dry, you know. Canada doesn't do much right, but they can do ginger ale. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't think we'd spend the first, like, five minutes talking about booze, but I'm all for it, man. Like... <laughs> Well, like two of the other, two of the other interviews I did, I was drinking like when I was doing it, so it was perfect, you know. Like, I got no shame, you know. I'm celebrating still. And I think you absolutely I, should be. I wish this wasn't tea. We could just pretend it's not. Like, <laughs> there you go, right? Right. But you absolutely should be celebrating. I mean, you basically like got out of combat sports around like there was a time, you know, 2011 and 2013. And then we don't see you for all these right. years. You just show up like to come in and do that in a little bit of time you have, like what kind of changes, you know, have you made where, you know, you're in a sport now where quote unquote older guys are still fighting and they're still fighting really well. Right. Well, most of the older guys are fighting. They're coming from the MMA background um, and they're able to just focus on one discipline. And that's where, uh, you know, I'm having the success because my old ass, I can't wrestle no more. I, I mean, I can, but it just, it's going to hurt me. Um, if I'm doing jujitsu, I can do jujitsu, but I'm not doing up, down, takedowns. No, like let's go on the ground. I'm going to start on my ass and I'm taking it easy. Um, but focusing for a fight like, like if somebody was to offer me an MMA fight and go short notice, you have five days. I'd be like, okay, sure. If someone was to be like, fight the exact same person, but you have eight weeks to get ready, I'd 100% turn it down. What? Yeah, because I know I, I'd get injured within three weeks and I'd pull, but I'd end up having to pull out. It's true. Five days. I've got much less chance of screwing something up. Yeah, hundred percent. That is uh that's the first time I've ever heard anybody say that. Usually it's you know one time no, not you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean 
um, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on it um, at some point, but like, you know, I've been talking about the end of my career and all that stuff. And one of the bigger things that I've been saying, and I was saying it after the McElroy fight, and obviously after this fight, it's not true, but um, I, uh, I've been saying that I have several fights left in my heart, but I only have one fight camp left in my body. Oh, man. And... You know what I mean? And that's, that's, that's kind of like that whole, like, I'd rather take a fight on short notice and say, fuck it, rather than take the time and go through all those aches and pains and all that shit, because that's the part that sucks. Yeah. Well, and, and that's crazy. And obviously, we could talk about, you know, I, I saw something today. I only saw it one time. And of course, it was on the infinite Facebook feed where I'm never going to see it again. That you hit, you hit Mike Hardy so hard that he quit BKFC. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had, yes, I'm like that was because we all know that he was gonna. He was looking past me, and obviously, yeah, and he wanted to fight um, Rothwell after. I, I mean, I get it, but I had heard, and this is purely speculation rumored i don't know for a fact but i had heard before he signed the contract with me he renegotiated i think i think the original contact contract was like for three fights and i guess he renegotiated and it was just he'd only dropped it down to one fight so somewhere in the back of it is somewhere in the back of his head i think he was like if this doesn't work out for me i'm not doing it no more but for him to talk, for him to talk so much about putting the whole entire weight class on notice and fighting Rothwell and all those things makes me kind of second guess it. Um, but it doesn't, you know, to see that uh, that and I, I'm the one who posted that uh, article. Oh, okay. It's on. It's on my. It's on my story. And it's it's so sad to see because obviously he's got his his history and we can look past all that. I think he's the only fighter in UFC history to get disqualified between rounds for using an inhaler. I never thought that was, did, he get, yeah. did he get disqualified? Yeah. They let the fight keep going. Uh-uh. They DQ'd him for it. But did the fight finish? I'm pretty sure that's how it finished. I thought the fight finished and he might've gotten DQ'd after the fact. Let's, let's see. We're going to put my, I thought, <coughs> Yeah, because I'm using my phone, oh. so I can't. Yeah, you're right. I, I forgot there was even a rest of the fight. Yeah, it got to overturned afterwards because of the... <laughs> right. Well, and here was one of the funny parts, too, is because, you know, like, to try to create waves and be, you know, extra fucking, I don't know, more publicity-wise, uh, had he been a dick or had he been cocky personally to me at any point in time leading up to... I was going to hand him an inhaler during weigh-ins. But, but he wasn't. He was totally cool. He was chill, you know, like, and because he was that way, I even more so fed into the niceness of it. Like, you know, when we were walking up the ramp to go to weigh-ins, I even gave him a little dap, you know, like, we were cool. We were shaking hands. We were totally nice. And it's like, I would much rather stay cool with him and let him continue to forget about me. Yep. 
Because the moment, the moment I did something that would piss, not, and I say this lightly because I'm not like I'm afraid of him being pissed off at me, but I want him to not think about me. Yeah. So I didn't want to do something that was going to make him, you know, think about my existence. And that's exactly so what that's, you did. Right. And that's why I chose not to do it. And I'm like, I know that first punch, you know, everybody like, um, you know, the site that I work for, Combat Press, Phil Lambert's the photographer. He got a great shot, unfortunately, of a giant finger in your eye. Right. And in an MMA fight, you you know, you get the clinch, you take them down. Okay, you've got a you've got maybe 30 seconds to a minute, maybe you'll no, you just kept getting hit going, uh, eventually it'll come back, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like that was um that was the hard part. And it, and it wasn't uh it wasn't in that squabble in the very beginning. It was after that we separated and it was his first jab that he threw. I I thought he'd hit me straight normal i didn't even think about it being an eye poke i thought he got me with knuckles mm. so yeah so i mean even at that point in time i didn't even think about it being an illegal blow um so that made it i don't know like made me have to suck it up whereas if i knew it was fingers in my eye i could have been like yo he, he poked me yeah he poked and me. you know yeah. right so but whatever you know like that's <clears throat> the only part that I hated was like how it made me like extra flinchy and overreactive to his movements because I couldn't see him. And it made me look like a fucking spaz for over a minute where, you know, like to me that made me look bad. So that's the only part I hated. I mean, ha criticizing yourself for a win like that. Like if you really think about this, you Google the last BKFC event, the one you were at, the knuckle mania. You're not seeing one of the best knockouts I've ever seen by Lorenzo Hunt. You're not seeing right. the Sagala leg break, which is still the weirdest shit I've ever seen. I thought that's, that's one of my things I hate about fighting in shoes, but keep going. <laughs> we'll talk about that. I want to I want to elaborate that. Yeah. You're seeing what you did and somebody somebody wrote the dumbest title for the article and I'm I apologize to this person, but it just came off the wrong way. Um and it said something along the like the way they phrased it was just weird to title an article. Like they were trying to say that you knocked out somebody, but they didn't use the word knocked out. And now I'm not gonna be able to find it now that I want to see it. But um, right, it was just so funny. So talk about why you don't like choose. Well, they stick to the canvas um, unless you're because <clears throat> I don't know like. That mat, the canvas in the BKFC ring, the canvas is fine. Um, it's the stickers on top of the canvas. That's what makes it sticky, um, which is weird because when they're wet, that's the reverse that makes them slippery. And if you, like, train in, um, in one of the rings or cages, whereas the, you have the mat and you have the stickers – the mat itself is fine, like, when it gets wet, when you're, like, sweaty. But the moment you're on one of those stickers, like, it's a fucking slip and slide. Um, and obviously, whenever you're training, you want to train in the ring as much as you can, obviously. Um, but every once in a while, you know, classes are going on. You're trying to do stuff and found ourselves hitting mitts um, in the uh, just on the jiu-jitsu mats. And there was, like, 
a few different times like once where i was doing like kind of like my shark tank slash fight gone bad like i went to step and like my front foot got like stuck and i like stumbled um one of the times my coach when we were hitting mitts he was circling to his right and he almost took and spill like it just those shoes grip a whole lot more than just a barefoot does and you know like I don't know. It's like every time when back in MMA, when we would do uh, wrestling day, we were encouraged to bring wrestling shoes because we are straight up wrestling. And I would remember yeah. if, if I'd have the sketchy guy grabbing on my legs, I just fell. Like I didn't fight it. I wasn't trying to like have somebody in practice trying to take me down, jumping on a knee and fucking my shit up. So just, I would just like yeah. let it go. Yeah. And it's so funny. You talk about like being in the element of, you know, if you want to, you're going to fight in the ring, you want to prepare. And right. you know, your coaches over the years and fighters over the years, and I'll never forget Mike Pyle told me years and years ago, he said, if your coach yells at you during training, he has to yell at you during the fight. He said he can't talk to you softly during training and yell at you during the fight because we won't hear you. Right. No, and 100%. If 100%. I really didn't think about that. But being in that element, and like you said, the stickers on top of it, all those sponsors that are supposed to be like, oh, look at us, look at us. They're actually causing a detriment to you fighters. <laughs> right. It's funny you say that because, I mean, I don't even know if you know, uh, I train at the same gym as Pyle. Yeah. And um, I've never heard him say that, but I'm old school enough to where I know that for a fact. And when after my first fight, I didn't really hear my coach at all. And my first uh, bare knuckle. Mm -hmm. And when we started the second camp, I'm like, look, you need to start directing me like we're in the fight. You can't because the gym is quiet and it's just us. You can't just nonchalant be like, step to your left. You have to yell it. You have to talk to me the same way that I can hear you. And, you know, because I watch some one of the groups that's uh, at my gym. Because, um, I mean, like. For example, this weekend, there's like fucking 10 different people in our entire gym fighting. So all the coaches are spread super thin and you'll have like that happen. And um, one of the, the fights, a, um, a girl was fighting and her husband was going to be her corner. And even when she was doing her rounds preparing, our coach John was calling out stuff to her and other people calling us to her, us to her. And her husband was just, he was there, but he was quiet. I didn't say nothing. I didn't interject. And after the fight, I was, you know, she lost. And I'm like, well, what happened? He was like, the number one thing she said, she could not hear me. And that's her husband. That's her husband who she listens to every single fucking day. And I'm like, well, I, you know, I didn't want to say nothing, but you, you needed to tell it. Once you knew you were the one traveling, you needed to tell everybody to shut the fuck up or funnel the information through to you. Like, okay, you're the main coach. You know better than I do what she should do. Tell me so I can say it. Yeah. You know, and, and it's funny. I even was talking about that same situation with my son doing his first jiu-jitsu competition. I was like, who do you want in your corner? Do you want, and I'm like, and I, this does not bother me. If you want one of the coaches, if you want Shane, you want Jerry, you want uh, anybody, tell me. I go, or do you want me in the corner? And I go, well, you have to listen to, or what you have to put in considerations. Who do you hear? When yeah. the room is loud, 
whose voice do you hear? And he's like, when I'm in class, I can hear you talking. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, I want you in my corner. And I'm like, okay. So I was in his corner. And when we were doing stuff, granted, I mean, like, I know my shit when it comes to jujitsu also. But every once in a while, like, you know, our main coach, Jerry, he'd be like, oh, tell him to do this. And he was the one telling me for me to voice it. So you don't have three different people yelling at a 12-year-old. Yeah. You know, it's the same shit. It's just a matter – and I, I love that you said that because it's funny that I obviously brought up, you know, my pile in that because that's something I'll never forget. But you see it so often where you'll see, you know, parents at jiu-jitsu competitions and the kid just telling the kid what to do. And there's a parent who also trains yelling stuff out. And that kid is going, do I listen to dad or do I listen to And I got submitted. Right there. Yep. 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 Completely. How did he oh, do it's, it's, How did he- did that tournament already? He, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That was a while ago. That was his first one. He got second place in both gi and no gi. It was good. He was listening. <laughs> yep. And that's the difference, too, is I know how my kid works. And obviously, whenever he's rolling, I see what he does. And every once in a while, I grab him and be like, all right, we're going to work on this. And some of my good moves that I do, I've rubbed off onto him, and he gets some pretty good, too. And, uh, so we go back and forth with it, and uh, I can kind of like when I did high school wrestling. They didn't say, hey, do this move. They were like, put your left hand on his shoulder. Put your right hand on – like, they would talk me through it, and I will talk my son through it because we – with doing other sports, with my schedule with him, we don't get to get in there all the time. So I can't sit there and say, hey – do yada yada pass. Mm-hmm. I'm like underhook, underhook with your right arm. You know, push his knee to the ground, slide by, like you know, get side control. Like just talk him through the moves so that he knows what he's doing, rather than me say a word and him trying to like compute what I'm supposed, what he's supposed to be doing. Exactly, and in that moment, trying to figure out, did he say this or right? Uh, no, underhook. Underhook's very like right. Let's go exactly. Yep. And it's, it's fascinating for me because after, you know, I started watching MMA in like 2008, I stumbled across a WEC wreckage where it was okay. Faber and Brown too. And then, the you know, Brown went to my high school. Did he really? Brown went to my high school. Yeah. Yeah. We go way back. So fun, fun fact. Let me, I'm going to check this now, but I'm pretty sure if you look okay. up Mike Brown's uh, Instagram, yeah. Yep. His uh, display picture. I took that. Okay. And I went All right. And I, it's amazing because that was like seven years ago, and he still has it. So I felt pretty good about yep. that. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. He he congratulated me. We go way back. Um, he originally started back with my original coach Jay Jack way back in Maine. Okay. So it's been a while, but that's amazing to have that. Yeah that come up and, and kind of watch that. And, you know, I got to, like I said, when I got to meet him, it was one of those things where I'm like, I know I'm here in a professional capacity, but seeing you guys fight, like those three fights or those two fights, you know, changed my life. And, yeah, um, you know, it took until <coughs> me to actually commit to jujitsu. Cause I went, I'd be okay. watching the fight and go, just get up, just get up. And I'm like, I'm oh, about you, you were that guy. You were that guy. You were that guy in the bar. Just get up. Yeah, come on. 
I, I would do it at home, out out in the world, like not so much. But, <laughs> but it was Buffalo Wild Wings the first place to watch a fight. Oh my god! So when when Buffalo Wild Wings became an official sponsor of the UFC, the one nearest to me stopped showing fights after one week. <laughs> Why was there fights? Wow, I just—it's just annoying because everybody thinks they know what the fuck's going on, and you know, throw in the factor of Las Vegas. So you had a table; one out of every six people has done some sort of training, and then you have the other people who haven't done training being like, "Just stand up, just stand up," and no, you have to look at it like something. That was me ten years ago. Let me preface that, but it took a long yeah. time for me to have the schedule and be able to do it. And I remember I said, "I'm going to start." Right. I'm going to compete as a white belt. And then COVID happened. Uh, and we kept training with masks. Like, yep. literally had masks on. And guess what? Didn't work. Because the no. minute somebody pushed on your face, there went the mask, and we all went. Right. Eh. Yeah. And uh, Whatever. I remember going, okay, I'll, uh, I still got, I, I still got some time. And I remember going to promotions, being there for other people, and they called my name for my blue belt. And I was like, no, I don't. I don't want it yet. <laughs> I was like, I have to compete. Yeah. And it's well, so much I mean, fun. you do and you don't. I mean, some sometimes schedule doesn't allow you to compete, and you know, and that's the funny part is you get <clears throat> other people who you train with on a regular basis competing, and they go to the gym or they go to the competitions. They went out, you know, and they dominate their weight classes. It's like, all right, cool. And then in the gym, you guys are even. It kind of, you know, it, it lets them know you're on the same even, you're on the same playing field. You're, you know, you're doing the same. You and I both understand this. If we were to compete, we're in the 230 plus. There's no like, yep. that's, that's what right. happens. I'm about 270. So I'm like, people are going to come in and just crush me. I know it's going to happen. So I'm trying to get down closer to a light heavyweight just so I don't have yep. that giant weight discrepancy there yeah but being 270 you must not have too many people that are much larger than you and if you do you gotta use that athleticism to get around them oh did you just say athleticism <laughs> i mean assuming no, I assuming see. people I, uh, people hate wrong me because i actually am athletic for being damn near 300 pounds and it's frustrating for them because i'll like bust out cartwheels and front rolls and you know like when um, when Nicky Rod comes to town, like him and I always roll because I'll move for his ass and I'm, you know, give him a good uh, Gordon Ryan impression. I'll just squeeze the fuck out of him and just be extra strong. Well, I know I know he's a little salty about that because I guess Gordon just pulled out. So he did. I saw that earlier today, too. That sucks. Um, you know, you talk about big guys and being athletic. Um, there's actually another BKFC heavyweight, Josh Sanchez, who lives nearby. We've trained together. And that man weighs about the same as me. And he has moved so fast that I've been like, are you wearing like a fat suit? Like, are you really not? Because <laughs> he'll move right. like a lightweight. Right. It's so crazy. So I think, and people have said it to me. They go, you don't, you don't look that fast. I go. Thanks. I guess, I guess that's a compliment. <laughs> right. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, yeah, no, I've just, I've always, like, when I came back from being, I think, my ACL surgery, I was, you know, out of the gym for a while, and um, I started moving, and, like, one of the guys I ended up working with, I think he was, like, 170 pounds, so I had, like, 
60, 70 pounds on them. And I've been big forever. So I like know how not to be heavy on somebody. And I was moving and like pulling and doing this and this and this. And he kind of like just stopped and was like scratching his head. And uh, John Wood was like, moves pretty good for a fat boy, doesn't he? And I'm like, yeah, it is what it is. And that's the thing is that we're the only time, it's the only time where we take that as a compliment. You're like, you move pretty good. Exactly. For a big right. guy. For a big guy, right. That, that's my favorite thing. When somebody's getting ready for a competition, they're like, all right, we can't roll with you. You, definitely not you. And you're like, I know why, but it still hurts. <laughs> right, exactly. So. Exactly. Well, was, uh, I got pretty good control, so I'll have a lot of guys that are way smaller than me want to roll with me so that I can put extra pressure on them on top and, you know, just be like a bastard. I'm not like tossing people. I'm not breaking arms. I'm like really good control. So they enjoy it with working with me. Listen, going a hundred kilos when we're this big sucks for anybody. Uh, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta wrap up here in the next few minutes. I gotta go pick them up from jujitsu class. That's exactly what I was expecting. Listen, I I had one goal tonight to not make this entire conversation only about you beating Greg Hardy, but realistically, we did we did good. It's a feather in the cap. You should be damn proud because again, you get hit. They look like they're gonna stop it, and you got back up. And I've seen it before, and it was like this is how much time you have left, or the fight's over. I know that was the mentality right. going into that. And Pretty much. Stay down. <laughs> Stay down. Exactly. Oh, man. So take this minute just to go ahead and thank your sponsors. Anybody, you know, just thank everybody who got you to this point. That's all my fans. It's my friends and my family. You know, they, they support me every single time. They're my motivators. They're the ones who push me. They're the ones who, you know, make me scared going into the ring because I don't want to disappoint them. You know, I don't care about getting knocked out. I care about disappointing people. And that's the that's the truth. No, and I, I respect that completely. Um, you know, on behalf of us, you know, La Barbara Cubana, amazing beard care, uh, Fat Boy Jiu-Jitsu, some great stuff for bigger guys, uh, at Tim Makes Knives on Instagram, Bertso's Bake Shop, and then, of course, Tales of a Concert Junkie, which if you guys watching the show know I never wear anything other than my own merch. But I really love these guys and the mental health and, you know, kind of awareness that they're trying to make, um, you know, supporting. I don't know if anybody could see this, but yeah. uh, mental health awareness is kind of huge. So I um, I really appreciate them. But, Josh, we got to do this again. Um, I think I just need to come out Sounds and say this and guy my size. So. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, fuck yeah, definitely. Sounds good. All right, brother. On behalf of myself, Combat Press, Quick and Out MMA Podcast, thank you so much, brother. And, uh. Again, thank you. you win, man. Thank you very, very, very much. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Hey, guys, don't forget to hit the subscribe little bell. Keep you up to date on all things quigging out. Thanks again.